Machine learning and robots are moving from providing invisible customer services like stacking shelves into providing frontline customer services like the helpful rolling robot at the airport advising you what departure lounge to head towards, to the in-store display panel that can demonstrate the same item in 10 different colors, or the chatbot answering your questions about health insurance. So how is marketing being transformed and what does this mean for the customer? From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business. I'm Sandra Peter, and for this discussion on cutting-edge technologies in consumer service, I'm joined by Andrew Baxter, the Chairman of Publicist Communications for Australia and New Zealand. Andrew has worked with some of the largest Australian and international companies. The agency he previously led brought us Rhonda and Kaput and Shira Coke. And the Australian Marketing Institute recently presented Andrew with the Sir Charles McGrath Award, recognizing his significant career contribution to the marketing industry. Hi, Andrew, and thank you for talking to us today. I want to talk to you about marketing and robotics and about this whole range of industries that are being transformed in robotics. So where do you see the most interesting things happening? It's about 10 key industries I've thought about in terms of robotics and marketing colliding. And I'll quickly run through them, then we might go back through them in some detail. I mean, there's clearly been robotics in manufacturing for a long time, and that does tap into marketing. E-commerce and retail, banking and finance, the travel sector, there's quite a lot happening. Healthcare, hospitality, the auto industry, driverless cars, etc., is a big one. I think the home as a category is a really interesting one with what's going on with robotics and IoT there. Even the media industry is in itself being affected by robotics and data and IoT. And I think security is another one and that ties a bit back to the home. If I go back to the start, I mean, manufacturing is interesting. In this country, the group Catch of the Day, Scoopon, they were quite vocal about two years ago. They put a 70 robot warehouse in to try and help alleviate some of the costs and speed up the delivery of the products that they sell. And there's now a startup in Australia that's robot-based that's looking to go through warehouses and shelves to make sure that you've got the right stock on shelves so rather than people doing that at night. So in that manufacturing and logistics and warehousing space, I think there's quite a lot happening. E-commerce and retail is you know, one of the biggest ones. I was recently over at the Viva Technology Conference in Paris and caught up with a lot of people from the UK and Amazon's Alexa has rolled out in the UK and you know people are raving about the fact that they can just walk around the house and say, please add strawberries to my shopping list, please add orange juice to my shopping list and then all of a sudden you're saying, Alexa, please deliver my groceries at 10am tomorrow. So people were getting quite excited about the role that AI and robotics are playing in that e-commerce space. And they're coming to Australia soon. They are. And I think the US and the UK have clearly got the infrastructure set up for what people want to buy. I think the big key here in Australia is going to be how they're going to either partner or buy or set up themselves all of those things that we do want to buy. So that will be exciting when they get here. And look, they've been playing around for a while. I mean, there's been the dash buttons that you can push to order your laundry detergent that sit on your washing machine. So there's a lot of things that have been going on in that area. And I think within retail stores themselves, someone like Lowe's for a few years have been playing around with a robot that rolls around the stores and you can walk up and you can show it a screw, for example, that you might have that you've run out of and you've got one left and it sees that and it says, oh yes, that screws X, Y, Z and it's down in aisle four. So I think some of that customer service side 
side is really interesting. Beware of Bunnings. Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) Bunnings could well put that in. I think Bunnings have got great customer service anyway. One of the things in Australia is that some of the stores that are what we would call our lowest prices type stores, Bunnings, Officeworks, JB Hi-Fi, strangely have got some of the best in-store customer service. So it will be interesting to see how they face up to Amazon and the big players coming in that will come with technology and definitely not that customer service. No, that's right. So it's how much Australians will value, as I call it, human CX instead of digital CX and customer experience. The other area we're seeing a lot of growth in robotics is in banking and finance, and that's really about the chatbots that are coming through. The ability either through Facebook Messenger or their own messaging platforms to be able to write to somebody and get an instant reply effectively from a robot. And there's been some good case studies recently. Yes, Bank in India have set up quite a good one. Lemonade, which is a US insurance brand, that one's being well talked about. And then I saw only a couple of days ago, Capital One in the US doing one. And a lot of this is about surprise and delight as much as it is about traditional Q&A. As the AI understands people better to be serving up suggestions, not just answers to questions, I think is where that side of things going to go. I mentioned before guides in retail stores and at that technology show, they had Pepper rolling around everywhere. You could ask them what part of the show you wanted to go to and where it was. And I think LG's done some stuff around airports. So same sort of idea, but robots rolling around airports to tell you where the gate is that you meant to go to or where the bathroom is or where that airport lounge is or where that duty free is. A lot of things going on in healthcare and the medical space. I think that's one area that IBM Watson's seems to have focused on a little bit. I heard them talk at the Viva Technology Show and they've obviously been pushing into the machine every bit of content, every article, every bit of information. And I think the Australian team here did a project over summer around melanoma, getting people to tell their stories about melanoma so that the machine itself could learn as much as possible about melanoma and try and find the patterns as to why and how. I haven't seen any results of that yet, but it looked like an interesting project in the healthcare space. And wearables, clearly almost IoT meets AI meets a bit of robotics. Everyone's running around with their either Samsung watches or Apple watches or Fitbits. And I think that whole space from a marketing point of view is really interesting because you're now seeing health insurance companies in the US and some of the Australian ones are starting to look at it around, well, if they know you're being healthier, then they're willing to give more discounts to you. And whether that's run by companies giving health plans or insurance companies giving them out or your employer making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. So I think that's a really interesting space as well. How does marketing mediate this relationship? You know, is it customer service? Is it developing content? Is it developing strategies? Is it all of those things? The short answer is it is all of those things. I think, interestingly, there's some programs in the US that have automated media planning and even content production without any human involvement. There's a couple of journalistic sites where they're taking in all the information about a certain story and recreating a story that's unique for a platform without any human intervening in there. So I think there is an ability for almost automated content an automated strategy, which is partly scary in itself. So you might be reading something in the Wall Street Journal, a market update that's been written by a robot that read three databases and then created a nice bit of content for you. (laughs) But look, I think specifically the customer service area is the big area that's affecting marketing. We talked about that customer service in store, and I think that's being augmented in a good way by IoT and beacon devices and things like that. So there's a huge role that customer service can play in that space. For example, Macy's ran a promotion effectively to say we'll come into store and tap into our beacon technology and download our app and you go in the draw to win a prize can't remember what it was but they drove millions of dollars of sales off the back of that because they then knew those people were in store and were able to push them further either ads or offers and there was some great research done I think late last year where about 50% of people are willing to receive location-based information from stores while they're in there 
Now, still means 50% don't want to be bugged <laughs> and hassled, but 50% do. And of those 50% that did, I think if you served them up an ad, they were seven times more likely to buy. If you served them up a specific offer for a product, they were like 19 times more likely to buy. They're big results in terms of enabling you to specifically and personalized market to somebody in a relevant way in the context of the store that they're already in. It sounds like a simple example, but there's clearly a lot of complex technology behind it. There's some of the things we're seeing. I think technology is playing a role in marketing and customer service. You see like in an Apple store, there's really no checkouts anymore. People are walking around with a handheld device. You're getting your receipt wherever you are standing in the store. Having traveled around Europe and the US recently, that's very prevalent in a lot of stores now. You see in some of the higher end luxury stores, I was over in Shanghai a couple of years ago, and they're walking around with tablets showing you different versions of different watches or handbags or different colors on the tablet. So it's just becoming a seamless customer service experience with human interaction as well as the technology that can help a sale or a service. And a lot of it's also about enabling people to buy. If it's not in store, you can still buy it and get it delivered. Something like 18% of people who go into store are happy to actually buy online in the store. So they're not intending to actually take the product away. So our store is becoming a bit like showrooms. For some people, they are. There's a point of view that that's where it'll all end up being in 30 years' time. I think that argument's a bit like people saying we wouldn't be reading hardcover books anymore. There's still a number of people that want to do one way or the other way or a combination of both. So I think as marketers, we need to understand that people still want to do all of these things and we need to cover everything. But you're right. Some people are literally using it as a showroom, going in, looking at stuff, maybe trying it all on and going, well, I've got other things to do and I'm happy to get that delivered tomorrow. So I'm just going to jump online now and order that thing I just tried on. It's pretty cool. The fact that beacon technology has come down in price and it can be hidden away and even some of the devices that sits within look quite cool. It's a much more affordable and easy to set up. Even push notification type technology, which they all run off, does require the app of that store to have been downloaded onto somebody's phone. I think that's going to be some of the marketer's biggest challenge. We only ever have about 60 apps sitting on our phone at any one time. We tend to only use regularly seven of those. So how do you become one, one of, of those? those? I think the technology is going to be less of the challenge now. Does that give a huge advantage to companies like Amazon that, you know, now with Amazon acquiring things like Whole Foods and so on, that becomes concentrated in the hands of the one app that you don't need another app? Yes. In China with Alibaba, it's the same sort of thing. Everybody's always on that app for various reasons every day. So it can be done on that, just like Google is starting, obviously doing, and Amazon's. So yeah, all of these things, if they are the regular app that you're using and you can buy things, exchange money, pay, do whatever you need to do, then yes, I think the likelihood is people are going to stick to those one or two or three or up to seven apps. That's the biggest challenge I think for marketers. How do we get people using that app more often from a retail point of view anyway? So we talked a bit about beacons and apps and all of these things require that as customers, we give up a bit of our data and a bit of our privacy. What do you think the trade-off there is between our right to have our own privacy and what we know about it and also what companies can do to help us if we do? My simple take on data is it's a bit like being neighbors. You can be that nice neighbor next door that's very helpful having gotten to know the next door neighbor or you can be sort of that pervy over the back fence spying on your neighbor. And I think clearly from a marketing point of view, we're going to be the nice, helpful neighbor if you think about that as an analogy. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of data that we give up. People will say they don't know how much data they give up. There's some interesting statistics floating around. I saw some a couple of years ago on banking that 73% of people were very happy to give up their data to a bank as long as they were receiving personalized and relevant offers or advice back. 
Now, that still means 27% of people absolutely didn't want to. You hear stories about people who move house in any one of the three telcos and the frustration about getting your home line and your broadband and your cable and having to ring three times. And customers will say, well, you know all my data. Why is this so hard? So on one hand, people will use data for saying we want better customer service out of you. But at the same time, on other hands, they may not be willing to give it away. And you just got to be careful. I mean, I think you've got to use data wisely. You can't be using it to an extreme. It's got to be helpful. At the end of the day, marketing is around helping solving problems and needs, and that's what we've got to try and do. Is this data also creating ever-increasing barriers to entry in some of these industries? So I'm thinking of a shop like Meyer. obviously, if they have access to their customers' data, but then they also work with, let's say, one of the big four banks where those customers have their credit cards and so on and are able to connect all these databases. That would give them a huge advantage versus a small company, a small shop where you might not be able to do the same sort of thing or take advantage at all of these technologies. You're right, but... The great coffee shop that you go back to, and it's become a whole Australian thing about having (laughs) coffee and what you have, but you will walk into that coffee shop and without even asking the barista, he'll remember or she will remember from three days ago exactly what you have and all of a sudden there's a coffee (laughs) sitting there and and that to use amazing customer service. And in effect, you're just trying to replicate that on a mass scale with some of these bigger organisations. And butcher shops are also the same. There's shops that you've always gone to all your life that have just had that incredible customer service, your local news agent, whatever it might be. And I think because they've only got X amount of customers, they can almost remember every single one of them and they can offer those personalised experience based on what they've done before. I think through robotics and AI, we're just trying to do that in the same way. I walk in, it recognises my phone, it makes my favourite cup of coffee. Yeah, or it knows that you last bought a pair of jeans two years ago and that you might be in the market for another pair or whatever it might be, but it's got that information sitting there. Most horribly probably knows what I weigh now and they <laughs> want to give, give me a new pair of jeans. <laughs> the technology is coming down in price all the time and Moore's law with this sort of technology also enables more power going through. But you're right. I mean, I think there'll be a period of time where some of the bigger ones will have a bigger advantage. But at the same time, the bigger ones are having issues because they've got so many different data sets they're trying to bring together. And a lot of them are all working off multiple systems because if you think about banks, they might have had retail bank, wealth banking, they might have had insurance as part of their offer. All of that in the past has sat on separate platforms and pulling all that together has proven difficult matching all that data up. So at the same time, yes, they should have an advantage, but they've got some legacy issues they've got to overcome to get there. What do you think is the most promising technology and where can marketing have sort of the biggest impact on growth? Look, I think the big push in the next few years is going to be around this whole robotics, AI, IoT space. I mean, it's clearly where a lot of investment companies like Intel and Cisco are putting a huge amount of money behind it. The Chinese government have said that they want to be the biggest player and the world leader in AI by 2025. They think it'll be a $22 billion industry just in China. This is where a lot of that's going on. Virtual reality is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of early adoption of that that hasn't quite taken off because, again, that's going to need consumers to be wanting to have headsets on, making that easier. But you can see that there's some great potential uses of of virtual reality, whether that be in shopping or clearly gaming's a big one right now. You know, I think even in media, there's going to be some interesting VR opportunities there. So they're the main technologies that we're seeing clients wanting to investigate. With the rise of digital CX and tying that back to human CX, I think there's a big thing around customer service now where you forget that Jan Carlson's Moments of Truth was written in 1989. It was seen back then as a management book, but really when you think about it in today's context, it's one of the great marketing books and the 50,000 Moments of Truth every day for that airline. 
one of the guys from Accenture or Deloitte in the UK recently started talking about, you know, we want to make sure from a digital point of view that every touch point we're making sure is a positive. Well, it's exactly the same theory as Jan Carlson came out with Scandinavian Airlines all those years ago. And I think as marketers, if we think back to that, and you think about the role technology can play, but also the role the human has to play in that. There's this dearth of traditional customer service in this country. I think you walk into a department store and you struggle to find somebody to help you. You wait online for a, an airline or a telco or a bank for 15, 20, 30 minutes. So there's a balance still to be found between the technology. I think I read somewhere that 85% of customer service will be dealt with by AI by 2020. Again, when you're reading that 70% of people over the age of 55 still want to talk to somebody, a human on a phone in their local market who understands the local market, then there's a bit of a dichotomy going on. It clearly will transition over time. But right now we're at this juxtaposition of one generation expecting one thing that they've had all their life and then a younger generation who clearly are expecting us to better use data and robotics and AI to help them through chatbots and other things. So we're at this counterpoint where you still need to do both as marketers. You can't just do one or the other. Where do you think marketing will have the biggest impact for growth? I still fundamentally think that marketing's always been there to solve the biggest needs and biggest problems of a company. That may well be through digital technology and it may well not be. Ideation, creative thinking through marketing, coming up with new products or services based on a need that's out there that marketers can identify is still the fundamental of what we all do and why we get out of bed every day. It's just that how we execute it could be completely different to how we executed it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But I remember one of my first lecturers 25 or 30 years ago telling me the mousetrap story. Well, there's never been a new mousetrap because there's never been a need to have a better mousetrap. So many people have tried to invent a better mousetrap and it's never worked. There was a need that was fulfilled. It's been fulfilled by a certain product for 150 years or something. Mousetrap with a beacon delivering <laughs> a specific type <laughs> yeah, of yeah, cheese. Yeah, I mean. yeah. The infrared <laughs> spotting the mouse coming over. But sometimes we try and overcomplicate things. I think marketing's about simplicity. You know, what's the simplest way to meet a need for a customer out there to help them either change their behavior to buy something or do something different. We too often forget the fundamentals of what we're trying to do here. And it's exciting. I mean, it's clearly an exciting time for us in terms of what's possible. But I do think from a growth point of view, you've got to go back to what business are we in? Who is our target audience? What do they need? How are we going to deliver either a better experience or a better brand or a better product or a better service for them? And technology is just another tool to help us do that. Correct. Thank you so much for talking to us today. No problem at all. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to Sydney Business Insights, the University of Sydney Business School podcast about the future of business. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can visit us at sbi.sydney.edu.au and hear our entire podcast archive, read articles, and watch video content that explore the future of business.